0: Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, in the ESV is where I'm reading from, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man Insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous find refuge in his death. Say, say, righteous. But the righteous find refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the hearts, in the heart of a man of understanding. But it makes himself, itself known, even in the midst of fools. So in this last verse, it all confines to this, that righteousness, verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. So there is a, there is a pattern to life and there is a lifestyle that we adopt as God's children. As, as a citizen of his kingdom, there is a, a culture, and, and there is a manner of living, and there is a manner of thinking as well. This past Wednesday night, we had one of those services that was just just a, a I really believe it, so it was a divine appointment with us, with God, and, and we have this realization that our thinking matters, our perception matters. And how you perceive yourself is mostly how people will receive you. But God has called us to live and do what's right and so sometimes doing the right thing isn't always easy but when we do what God says which I believe is the righteousness of God and we'll get into it I believe that you become blessed not only do that does that blessing contribute to to your own life but it also continues to a nation what really is going to make a difference in this world, we can, you can go to the ballot boxes, you can choose your candidate. But unless you choose to follow after Jesus and choose him to be your Lord, your Savior, your King, your leader, your Commander-in-Chief in your life, then righteousness will never, ever have its proper place, the righteousness of God. But in our self-righteousness, we follow and we try to do the right thing in our own way but I would rather have God's righteousness and be blessed in this world, in this life, and my family blessed. And I'm going to make my contribution to this nation. I'm going to make a contribution by raising my family, by leading my children, by by being and leaving a legacy. If we ever want to make a difference in our world, it first begins at home. How many of you believe that? So the series is actually based on that thought and that mindset This series, we're going to be teaching on the righteousness of God. And today, we're going to be talking about when righteousness exalts your family. When righteousness exalts your family. Because if righteousness can exalt a nation, it first has to exalt your family. And it can exalt you. Everything around you. So somebody pray this one more prayer. The series is called Stand Up. Stand Up. It's time to stand up. It's time to do what's right by the grace of God. And it's time to make a declaration that we will do whatever it takes to follow after him, to obey him. Because we need him and he needs us and we are one together. So can you pray God bless the service one more time? Come on, speak over the service. You have that divine right. Set the atmosphere. Set the atmosphere. Set the atmosphere and say, Lord. Remove every obstacle, God. Remove every every plan and strategy that the enemy has tried to set over this service. We say now, Father, by the blood of Jesus, release your angels, Father, over this atmosphere. Let the word be sown into good hearts. Remove every burden, God. Let every person be focused. Let there be God in habitation, a time of visitation for us in this moment to receive. So we say, Father, clear the atmosphere. Clear the atmosphere of all distractions and let the word be sown with peace and love and joy. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say amen. Give God one more hand clap of praise like he's really done something for you. Come on, if he's ever forgiven you, saved you, blessed you, give him a hand clap, well-deserving hand clap. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me tell you why we clap our hands and we do this in church. If you were in the baseball field, if you were at a football game, if you were watching TV at your home and your your team did something good, you would act crazy. But why don't we act crazy beforehand in God's house sometimes? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Let's thank him one more time. Come on. He went to the cross. He overcame. He rose again from the dead. He gave you his presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell them righteousness will exalt your family. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing and honoring God's word. Thank you so much. So I really want to begin by throwing up and saving, you know, this one moment for us to simply think about what this really means, and build a, a kind of a platform for this. And I made this little chart, and, and I wanted to express, and from the offset, just explain righteousness and how it comes into our life and what it is. Before we do anything, I think we need to have a basic understanding about what, what is the righteousness of God and how does it come into play. I did write the examples and the, the levels of entering into righteousness. And I wrote scriptures up here, and I'll go through the scriptures. So I would love for you to write this down and, and take note of this, if you will, just in the beginning here, just to explain and go home and read them and, and let that be some of your meditation. Because all of us have begun in the same place. Now, there's, there's, not been, there's not one person here in this building that was born with halos. And even in your childhood, you you go through stages as a child doing things naturally that you're inclined to do by your flesh or your old nature. You just do. You you do things that are just, uh, for example, inherently given to you by the old man, the old Adam. Like, for example, and and don't judge anybody's kids and don't nod your head if you've done this, which I'm sure everyone's child has Um, have you ever seen a child lie to you? I'm not talking about to be deceptive or to be mean or, 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 but just simply a little, even if it was a a white lie, you know, white lie, dark lie, it's all a lie, right? And I've never in my life been able to really know when I'm, the first time I caught my child one of my kids lying to me. For example, did you make that mess? No. Did you kick the dog? No. Did you break that window? No. (laughs) You know, little things is what I'm referring to. And, And it's in their nature. They don't know the difference, and they're just scared. And they'll say things sometimes just to get out of that. Well, we as people, human beings, as human beings, you and I have a certain nature that we all wrestle with, even the Apostle Paul and In his older age, said that when I want to do good, evil is present, that there is something inside of me that causes me to to war against myself. And he goes, oh, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Then he goes, I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ that he has paid the price, right? He's paid the price. And, And there are so many things that you and I face that we struggle with and not realize that, you know... God can take care of all these things. God can help us. And the old man, the old nature, is what we wrestle with. And so all of us have begun a life before you were saved. Even if your family was saved and your mom and dad were saved, the Scripture says in the eyes of God, the believing parents sanctify the children by their faith. But you still as a child and as you grew older, you had to deal with this nature. And so we all begin living life in a dark place. We've all began living life in a dark place, much like in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, whenever God created the heavens and the earth, the Scripture says that it was without form and void. So he said, let there be light, and there was. But he didn't create the moon and the stars and, uh, and the sun till later on another day, meaning that that first light that came into the world was spiritual light. God had to remove spiritual darkness in order for him to work and to create in this world. He had to first set order in the spirit realm, in the the things that he couldn't see and we could never see. God, before he could create, remember, this kind of ties into Wednesday night. If you were here, if if you weren't, go on YouTube, check it out on our channel, go on our podcast. But before God could ever create anything, he had to first set order in the heavens. Then he began to create, and so in darkness is where we all begin. Ephesians five and eight says, "For you were once, for you were once darkness, but now you are a light. The light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light." All of us were in that place at one time. Peter wrote and he said, "God has brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light." All of us were wayward children under the influence of what the Scripture says, the prince of the power of the air, used to walk in disobedience, doing what we did. That's why some of you, when God saves you and God fills you with his presence, you're so sensitive to the spirit world and God that you'll just obey him and walk and follow him. And Because when you were in the world and you were living in darkness, you were under another influence, and that's why you got in so much trouble. That's why if some of you, and, and, and I know some of you, some of you were like, some of, like me, or you got in trouble all the time, and any kind of inclination or feeling or thing you felt, you felt inclined just to follow and do it because you're being influenced by things that were in the dark. Other spirits, other influences, other people, and you were so quick to do it. But when God saves you, He turns it around, and he uses it for his good now, and he inhabits that sensitivity. That's why when you can't understand the life of someone who who used to be a certain way, who used to live a certain way, who used to say certain things or do certain things, and you see an extreme radical change in their life, and they're extreme now, and they love God, and they never miss church, and they're always talking about the Bible, it's because that concept of being saved and God bringing you out of darkness. It's like a rubber band. It goes both ways. Understand? It goes both ways. And now here you are sitting in God's house. Here you are sitting in God's presence. No one, maybe if you're younger, no one, maybe if you're married, but no one else was forced to come to church today. That just says all the single people, (laughs) the ones who really wanted to be here. (laughs) I'm joking. But you understand what I mean. Something inside of you and in your thinking drove you to want to be here in this house. You're hungry for something from God because you have been following someone else. So when God gives you in that state of darkness, there was always somebody who influenced you in this state. This is the state we call disobedience. We all lived in disobedience at one time. Not in disobedience to your parents or not in disobedience to your, to your, to your boss or anyone else, but in disobedience to God. In disobedience to God. Living a certain way. Not acknowledging what God, what pleases him. And so that's the state of disobedience in darkness. But then someone comes around, and this has to be done by someone either, there's only two ways that you can be brought out of darkness in the process to get to the blood. That is by someone praying for you and someone ministering to you and sharing God's word or giving you an invitation to church. Now, I wish I could say, that just, you know, out of true hunger, I really do believe that God can lead you and guide you into all truth is what the scripture says. But when you study the scripture, it's the prayers of God's people that release his grace into the earth, that moves on the, in the, on, on the, on the unsaved yes. and the people in darkness. It's why we're even here. Whether the person knew you or whether they were your grandmother or mother or father, someone prayed for you. Everyone that is here, at one point in your life, even when you were a child, someone prayed for you. And then someone had to invite you or you had to remember or God had to deal with you or in some way to give you direction. So this is what I call the light stage of faith because you cannot have faith until you believe you cannot have faith until you have seen something you don't have faith if you're in a dark room if you're in a dark let's be hypothetical if you're in a dark cave and you're trying to find your way out and you see a glimpse of light in the distance guess where you're heading You're always going to head to the light. Spiritually, people have lived in these dark places, and when they see a glimpse of hope, that's where they head towards. How many of you love hope? I love hope. I love it when God, he's given us hope. We want you to have hope today. We want everyone to know there's a better way. Jesus is a better life. I speak as Jesus sometimes in person, and it's a place and a thing because he fills all space and be his all things to all men. But the truth is, he's a person. And he loves you so much. And so light, 1 John 7. 1 John 7 and 9 says, 1 John chapter 1, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood, then here comes the blood. You see, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, in other words, if we start choosing to follow him, and accepting what this word has to say. That's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Every single one of you, if you are saved, have been through this process. We have all been through this process, and we have to understand this. If we're going to talk about the righteousness of God, we cannot have and think that our own righteousness has something to do with this. None of us have pulled ourselves up from our bootstraps. None of us have built our own kingdoms. Everything good and perfect in your life came from where? From From above. From who? The Father of light in which there is no variableness or shadow of turning. In other words, he doesn't change his mind. Once God has set his heart to bless you, you're going to be blessed. But yet, you still have an obligation to obey, to walk in the light as he is in the light. So it says that if we walk in the light, then it says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. It is okay to say you're not perfect. It is okay to say I don't have it all together. It is okay for people to say to you, you go to church because you're weak, and I don't care if people say uh, we only weak people go to church because when I'm weak, then I am strong, and I admit that, and God gives grace to the humble. And I don't think I have it all together. I don't think any of us have it together, but I'm going to tell you something. Humble people, meek people, the presence of God rests in their life, and that's people that have been anointed by God, who have been broken by God, or broken by life, really. So I, I, I admit, I'll be the first one to say it in front of all of you and tell you that I am weak. I'm not strong, I need Him, I depend on Him. I need him every single day. I need him to guide me, direct me, help me, inspire me, give me wisdom, give me strength. And I realize that now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not by my own ability. (laughs) It's not by my own strength. I mean, I know I look good and everything and strong and built. You know, I, I know, but that's not it. not it I, I i do believe that sin is remitted at this place right here here is where righteousness now righteousness in the eyes of god we become righteous in the eyes of god right here you and i weren't in right standing with god in from the beginning you and I were never in right standing with him from the beginning. Adam was the one who dropped the ball, folks. If you're, and, and in fact, Satan was the one who helped made him fumble it. So if you're going to blame every, anybody for anything wrong that happens in your life, blame Adam, blame Eve. I mean, if you got to pick somebody, pick somebody that you can't hurt. Pick somebody that really did the, you know, it was them. But, but to go further, it was Satan that did it, right? But we're not going to give him that much glory. Let's just blame Adam <laughs> and Eve. They dropped the ball. They dropped it, and you inherited that nature, that sinful nature. You see, they were innocent in the beginning. They didn't even know they were naked. Now, you and I have to deal with these feelings of condemnation and guilt and struggle, inadequacies, insecurities, and all these issues and things. That comes from the old nature. But when the blood of Jesus is applied in your life, and you've seen the light of God's word, and you start walking in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. And it's that removal of sin that clears your conscience, gives you a fresh start, helps and enables you to understand that now you are in right standing with God. And in the eyes of God, you are the righteousness of God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19 says it like this. Write that down. Go home and read it. Just listen to what I have to say. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people. He took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of the law and all the people with hyssop branches and scarlet wool. And then he said, this blood confirms the covenant of God that he has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood on the tabernacle on everything used to worship. From the very beginning, God required the shedding of blood from an innocent animal. Animals cannot sin. If you're taking notes, write this down. Why did God choose animals? Because animals could not sin. So why did he choose animals that were, he had to choose animals that were, um, let me rephrase that. God chose animals symbolically that had no blemish, no spots, that were pure, that had no infection in their blood. God even looked for pure blood, and the qualification stage of choosing the right beast was one that was pure, one that was healthy. But yet, those animals were innocent. So God had to take the place, had to find something to take the place of us in our guiltiness. And he used an animal that was innocent. And shed the blood, a life for a life. And the reason why God required a life for a life and we couldn't just enter into his presence is because of his nature. He is a holy, holy God. And it is impossible to enter into his presence without the blood shed that represents innocence. So that brings holiness in our life. So Jesus, listen to what the, now the writer says. And he says, This blood contained the covenant of God, the relationship with God that he made with you. In the same way, sprinkling the blood in the tabernacle on everything for worship. In fact, according to the blood, in fact, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin and no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, say it with me, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is what they did in the Old Testament, what they had to do in order for Israel to be blessed. They had to once a year allow the high priest to enter in to offer that blood so they can be in right standing of God. And the only reason they were right in the eyes of God is because they had something that covered their sins and that was blood. And the priest would enter in and then he would beckon, God forgive. And because the blood pleased him, Because he realized something gave up its life for this. God was pleased with it, and God forgave. And so it says later on, it goes here, verse 23, this is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real thing in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than with blood of animals. In other words, this was a direct reflection of how it happened in the heavens. But now God had to say, hey, okay, this is what happens on earth, but now I've got to do the same thing in heaven to enter in, and there's only one person or one thing that will do it, and that was his son who became the Lamb of God. All this is good stuff. Are you getting this? Write this down. I'm telling you, without Jesus' blood, you and I could not be blessed. For Christ did not enter the holy place made with human hands. He didn't enter that holy place like the high priest did in this earth with human hands, which was a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear before now before God on our behalf, and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who entered the holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. God didn't do that. And it says right here, if that had been necessary, Christ would have died again and again since the world began. But now, once all once... For all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all those who are eagerly waiting for him. Oh, my God. You really do need to give God praise right there. Thank you, God. Oh, my Lord. And now he's coming. So when God looks at us, he sees his righteousness. That's why the scripture says our righteousness is like filthy rags. Why? Because we think we do the right thing that pleases God in our own eyes. We think that we even your sacrifices. Listen. Yes, you have to sacrifice, but it will never measure up to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, ever. So you can try to act good, do good, think good, all those things. Without the blood, you are no good. Let me, let me, let me. Without the blood, we are no good. Because I don't want to sound condescending. Because I realize this applies to me. It applies to everybody. We should all be thankful. We should all be humble. We should all be grateful. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jesus did something powerful. And so now, now that we have been forgiven, now that you have accepted the Lord's mercy and forgiveness and believed that he died on a tree, You have now become a recipient of his blood. But now, here's what happens. You are now the righteousness of God. But didn't the scripture say righteousness exalts a nation? So that tells me that righteousness has to be perpetual. And that also tells me that at some point in our life, even though Jesus, and this is where you have to do your own studying, and I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm going to challenge your thinking. But please do not challenge me in this moment because well, that is just be embarrassing. but anyhow <laughs> for you. but anyhow, there <laughs> I'm going to say something, and I, I want you to think about this, but this is something that creeped into denominational circles in religion a long time ago that have robbed the church of its power and influence and anointing. And it's this. I do not believe the Bible says that you are once you're saved, you are always saved. Let me finish it off. Once you're saved, you're always saved, and it doesn't matter how you live and who you obey or disobey, okay? This is what the Scripture actually teaches. The Scripture actually teaches that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we have sin. If we have sinned, he's talking to the church folks. He's talking to people that were saved already. But he said, if you sin again and live a certain life, you can go back to him. And he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you, there you can. Even though Jesus paid a price for you by faith, you have to walk in the light. Then you don't stop walking in the light. You continue to walk in the light. And that's where the scripture said it, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. But you can revert back to an old lifestyle and step out from the righteousness of God. Now, he paid the price, and he's always going to love you, and and he's always going to forgive you any given moment. But the deception in the church world has been this, once you say yes to Jesus, Go ahead and go out and do everything that you used to do. Go ahead and I know it sounds religious, but somebody's got to say it. We want to help you. We want to help everyone. If you're watching online, if you're, if you're watching through YouTube, whatever it is, Facebook Live, don't, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall also reap. And that doesn't mean we become religious. It means we become aware. Because some of us don't get it sometimes. Or maybe we've missed it, and maybe someone didn't teach you this. But the truth is, is that once God saves you, and once God cleanses you, there is more for you. And, and the grace of God, the grace of God is not the license to sin. God forbid, Paul said, that I should sin once I've been saved by grace. So how do you keep from going back to the old nature? How? Because people live in condemnation even after they get saved because after they've been forgiven, they still need something in their life, and that's the last stage, the Holy Spirit. The light is really God's Word coming into your life, and the action for believing it is faith. It requires faith. You have faith by hearing of the Word of God. And the blood of Jesus, since you're in the light of God's word. See, light and the word are always synonymous in the scripture. When you see light, then you're always, you always have to understand. It's a mind that has been enlightened, that has understanding, and knows. And only repentance and only a mindset of changing your thinking can bring you to that place. And so the blood comes in and makes you in right standing with God. And then you stay in that place. And I I gotta tell you, I've got to tell you, here's something else. When I look at you and you've been covered by the blood, I am not gonna call you a sinner. I'm not. We were all sinners though, right? But I'm gonna, let's change your thinking and let me help you. Not that I have all the answers, I just realized through the scripture and through all these years. I hear people say all the time, I'm just a sinner. We're all sinners. No, you're not. You're called a saint after you've been covered by the blood. Yeah. See, the word E, the, the, the two letters E-R at the end of a word means it's a perpetual lifestyle. Sin. Sin is something you do in the moment. But when you add the ner on it, sin ner, that means it's your lifestyle. I know some of you. You don't have a sinner's lifestyle. You walk in his grace. You love his word. You read his word to hide it in your heart. Paul, uh, David said it like this, Lord, let me hide your word in my heart so he would not what? Sin against him. Sin against him. He even got the concept even before, even before the new covenant. Disobedience to God is sin. Now, I'm not going to go calling sin out because I think the Scripture says whoever sins, they does wrong, they know what sin is. They know what it is. We're not called to be sin police, right? Some people love to be that person. You know? You get home, right? You get home. Honey, guess what? <laughs> guess who I saw go into where? <laughs> I got to tell a story of my brother. I'll never forget this. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm too far into it already. So <laughs> <laughs> my brother called me up one day and he said, man, Bob, something, I just did something horrible. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, well, I didn't really do it. I, I just didn't know. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, man, I'm so embarrassed. I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I was driving on Crestwood. Some of you n- may know what I'm talking about. Some of you might not know. And if you do know and someone else next to you doesn't know, you can tell them later. <laughs> I was driving down Crestwood, and I saw this sign with a bunch of lights like arrows outside, flashing g- colorful lights in front of the store. And I said, man, that looks like a cool store. I've got to stop and go check out and see what's inside there. And he said, I just felt like, man, I'm fixing to be blessed. (laughs) Some of you got an idea what the store was. And he, said, he looked so cool, man. He was there. He, I stopped by there. I got out. I was so excited. I was walking in. And right when I was walking in the door, someone from church drives by, honks the horn, and he's just waving at him real big. Like, right, like, I'm blessed. I'm fixing to be blessed. God has something good for me here. Come on. Come on. He walks in and got the shock of his life. <laughs> he was so embarrassed. Now, what bothered him was he didn't walk into the and what he saw. What bothered him was that somebody else saw him <laughs> and saw him enjoying it and <laughs> proud of it. And I'll let you figure out the rest. We're in a church setting. There's children here. But the truth is, is that, you know. Don't be that person that judges someone even if they did do something intentionally. Let me tell you the best thing to do. Let me just insert this for all of you here. If you really love somebody, don't critique and criticize somebody because you have the authority in your life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you can literally curse somebody or you can bless somebody. So if you want to help somebody, you pray for somebody, you bless them, you help them by praying for them. So that's just my little two cents. But right here, it's for exaltation, which means to cause to rise up beyond, to live above, to be blessed. When the Spirit of God, which let me encourage you and teach you this, is the grace of God. That's another misnumber in a teaching that most people are not really aware of. The grace of God, here's your definition for grace to will and to do of God's good pleasure. It's the grace of God is the power of God to keep you from sin. The grace of God is the spirit of Christ inside of you that caused you to live a righteous life. You're getting mercy and grace mixed up, His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is forever. His mercy is given by the blood. His mercy is there. But grace, Paul said we are saved by grace. In other words, by the power to live and do what's right. Now, Don't throw daggers, religious daggers and arrows at me right now. But if anybody comes and tells me that grace is simply mercy alone and we are covered and we can live however we do, that just simply tells me they haven't really studied their Bible under the right light. You can read it in the Hebrew, you can read it in the Greek, but I'm going to encourage you, it's always best read in the Holy Ghost. Always. Always. So don't be deceived. See, this will change your life. This will change your family. This will change your family when you get the concept that it takes God's power to do what's right and to live in the right way. It takes God's power. It takes God's presence. It takes God's yearning. It takes God's desire. The blood is what washes you. The mercy of God comes. You see, on the Ark of the Covenant, there were two cherubims that faced each other, and it was called the mercy seat right in between. That mercy seat was representative of the blood that was applied. And that's where the blood was shed and sprinkled on the tabernacle. Do You understand what I'm trying to tell you? That's why it's so important to walk in the Spirit. So let me give you this scripture, John chapter 1. Verse 4 and 13. I chose this for a reason. I'll explain to you why I chose this scripture. Write this scripture down. In him was life, and the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shines in darkness, right? But the darkness did not comprehend it. That means it's a mind, under, it's a mind thing. When light shines in darkness, so it says comprehension that has to do with the mind. So when light is given, that's what Jesus was doing. He was giving light. He was what? A teacher. He was a teacher. And they didn't comprehend. So it says, "This There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might b- what? Believe. They might believe that were in darkness. He came to give light, understanding. He was not the light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which giveth light to every man. Coming into the world. Only light can come through Jesus Christ. Spiritual understanding only comes through Jesus Christ. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not anyone else at any other religion. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life. He's the only one. Jesus Christ is. All those other, pro- I gotta step out for a moment. All those other prophets were sinful men. They weren't perfect. They believed in doctrines of men and believed in murder and believed in retaliation. Jesus taught love, went to the cross, yet he lived in this world without sin. And he's the only one that doesn't have a grave. You need to give him some praise for that. He's the only one that doesn't have a sepulcher. He's the only one that doesn't have a stone. He's the only one that doesn't have... He's the only one that didn't have a stone through Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, verse 12, to them he gave power, To give the right, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But of God. So light had to come in, but Jesus had to give grace to men to live right. The light, understanding, and then the blood. And then he sent them to Jerusalem, and they were in power from on high with the what? The Holy Spirit. Now, if God used the apostles. Listen to this now. Catch this. The template for our walk with God is found in the life of the apostles. The template for our lifestyle is found in the life of the apostles. That's common sense. If you want to know everything that Jesus taught out of the biography, out of the, out of the life and the works of Christ found in the Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the life of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts, it's what the apostles carried out, the actions of the apostles Everything that they were taught in those gospels were carried out in the book of Acts. So if you want to know what Jesus taught, read the book of Acts, read the, the gospels, tie it together, and realize that what the apostles did and taught is everything Jesus taught them, and none of them were living out of that grace and light and out without the power of God. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. Do not knock the power of God and the Spirit. If you don't understand it, just be honest with God and say, I just don't understand it, but show me, Lord, and he'll give you understanding. I've already determined I'm going to give away a spoiler. It's really not a big spoiler, but I'm going to do a, a crew myself the next semester. When semester starts, I'm doing a crew specifically for people who want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I guarantee by God's Word, Everyone who does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you join my crew, after I teach you, pray with you, and we fast and pray for you, you will receive it. I promise you, by God's word, if you believe, and if you want a deeper understanding about it, I'm going to do that to help people. Because this is where people lack their power, and they struggle. This is what they lack right here. So righteousness exalts a nation, not just by one simple act, but by walking in the light, being empowered by God to do the right thing. Without the Spirit of God, you and I have no power. But without the blood of of Jesus, we would never have the power available to us. The only reason the Holy Spirit, which is like a dove, pure, white, holy, and pure, comes into our life is because of this right here. The Holy Spirit will not live in a lifestyle contrary. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in darkness. Darkness has to flee. Light has to come. And the blood has to be applied. Does that work that way? Who has deceived you thinking that you began in the Spirit that you can complete it in the flesh? Don't let anyone lie to you. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. I'm going to tell you. God has power available for you. He has a spirit that he put inside his only begotten son. And that same spirit, if it's in Christ, will resurrect you at the last day, will empower you to walk. There was a man by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. And that man came to Jesus and said, Master, we know that you are a teacher sent from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus looked right at Nicodemus who was a teacher, who was someone, uh, who, who was really someone important in the, in the neighborhood, right? He looked at Jesus, called him Rabbi Robonai, master, teacher. And he said, Jesus looked at him and said, no man except they're born of the water and of the spirit can enter the kingdom. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? That means that if you're going to walk, because, see, Nicodemus was interested in all the miracles, signs, and wonders and the power that he walked in, and Jesus gave him the actual answer and said, this is how you walk on the kingdom on earth. You have to be water baptized, and you have to be spirit baptized. And when you walk in that and you begin to do that, you can live and see what I, and you can do that I, the things that I do. Where did Jesus say that? He said it to the apostles. He said it in the book of John. He said, greater the work shall you do because I go to the Father. That means I'm going to take my body. I'm going to go back up there. But the Lord's going to take the spirit that was in me and pour it into your life. And you're going to do greater works. And you don't have to live in darkness. The Spirit of God is going to keep you out of darkness. The Spirit of God, when you walk in the light, will keep you in the light. And any time you mess up, anytime you make a mistake, you're going to go to the blood of Jesus, and he'll wash you. And let me tell you, even, even, even if you do fall back to darkness, if you just remember what the God of glory did for you and I, you can still have the blood applied in your life. But if you want to listen If you're tired of playing spiritual ping pong and going back and forth in this area, then come over here to this area and start believing and stop being judgmental and stop being so worried about what other people think about the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, if this is what you want, I I can help you. Honestly, I can. I can help you find, and I think every church is wonderful. But I can help you find a congregation that stops about right there. That doesn't believe in this fully. They believe, but there's a limitation to this because, are you ready? I'm fixing to drop the hammer on you, and I'm done. Well, I'm going to drop a big hammer. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, hold on tight. Don't get up and walk out now. (laughs) Don't get up and walk out now. Don't judge them. Just hear what he has to say. The Holy Spirit baptism is accompanied by speaking in tongues. Why? That's the validation. Now, let me explain something. When the blood is applied, the Spirit begins to work in your life. Yes. You have the Spirit of Christ that begins to work in your life and work in your soul. And the Spirit comes into your flesh. Your Your three parts, spirit, soul, body. When the blood is applied and you're baptized, the body is buried into water baptism. And you, by good conscience, you're cleared and your sins are forgiven you. And the blood is applied in both areas. The blood is applied in both areas. So most people live in a two-dimensional world. Where well, they're feeling the presence of God, they're feeling it, and the and the and the Spirit of God covers you. Covers you, walks with you, and you start being you start being sensitive at this level. But Jesus said, He was called Emmanuel, God with them. But He said, Behold, I shall be in you. The only place a spirit can abide is in the spirit of men the spirit of man, but he will visit and resident and rest on you upon your soul and your body, your mind, will, and emotions. You'll experience him because of this right here. You could never experience it. So you have literally let the blood be applied upon the altar, the brazen altar, the laven, where they wash their hands. But the holy of holies is the spirit of man, and that's where the Holy Spirit encounters with that and this where he becomes your high priest forever after the order of melchizedek and he begins to live forever and intercede for you and the holy spirit begins to intercede for your spirit cuz most of you pray if not most of you pray but some of you pray possibly out of a soulless realm because of what you feel because of what you think but once you get into this area And start believing, start believing that God has more and don't knock the gifts of the spirit, don't knock the exercising of your faith and pray and understand that God of this spirit, baptism is for me and is speaking in tongues. God is one of those things and teach me and show me and I'm fixing to tell you why right now, really quick. James said no one can tame the tongue. Come on, Haley. James said no one can tame the tongue. Why? Because. What is your tongue connected to? Your heart. Yes, your brain. It functions through there. But the spirit of your mind. And in there... That's why some of us, sometimes we said some things, and I've been guilty of it too. There's not one person that hasn't been guilty of it when you've been angry, when you've not been praying. Have you ever noticed that when you have been praying, you are more at peace, and your response to tragedy or anger or resentment or arguments are, is different? Because the Spirit has now controlled your spirit, and what's in your spirit comes out of your mouth. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But James said no one's been able to tame the tongue. And so why is that? Why have men not been able to tame the tongue? He said in the book of James that that animals have been trained. How many of you have dogs that know tricks? How many of you have animals in your house that know little tricks? You trained your animal, but you can't even train your tongue. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the tongue is connected to the heart. And no one can tame the heart but God. And when God, Jesus Himself said to the apostles, He said, When the Pharisees and all of them told, I'm not giving you a lot, but I want to help somebody. Jesus and his disciples went into dinner one day and having lunch in the front of the Pharisees and Sadducees and they saw all the religious people and they didn't wash their hands. And the religious people got so upset and they were so mad and said, why didn't your disciples wash their hands like all of us did? And Jesus said, don't you know, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, it's what comes out of his mouth that defiles a man. And the disciples said, I don't understand that, Lord. Afterwards, they said, Lord, teach us what... He said, don't you know? That from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart comes adultery, murder, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness. It's all in the heart. The heart is the spirit man. It's, the life of God flows through your spirit man. Did you know that you are a human being having a spiritual experience? That's why some people have a hard time with addictions. Because they, they have never had their spirit filled with something better than what they're addicted to. called the new wine oh my god so you had no control over your tongue but when you have asked god to forgive you and the blood is applied and the spirit of god comes and now you have begun to worship and at full surrender at full surrender what you had no control of God just controlled it completely. How do you know? Because the tongue is connected to the heart, and the heart is now under full control. Why? What's the sign? That thing that comes out of your mouth you had no control over, it's just a sign that God took full control of it and filled up your heart completely, and you begin to speak in a heavenly language, in a tongue, to prove it. And the only way you can be filled completely with His Spirit It's to feel and receive the blood in every area of your life. It's just called repentance. It's simply saying, God, no more, no more reservations. I'm going to give you every area of my life, and I repent over it. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, fill me with your spirit. God, I want you to inhabit me. And Paul said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? That's why in the book of Acts, it's not just there in the second chapter it's in the eighth chapter the 10th chapter the 12th chapter they all spoke with tongues and paul said in the book of corinthians i'm glad i speak in tongues more than you all it was a regular thing that's what separates this church from a lot of churches that we're not afraid to teach about it but we're not going to lie to anybody but i promise you how many of you have, have had this experience and it has changed your life raise your hand how many of you have had this experience and it has changed your life? And Can I tell you, it's happening in the Catholic church. It's happening in the Baptist churches. It's happening in the Lutheran churches. It's happening everywhere. There's hungry hearts and people are in the Word, not in religion, in their Word. And they're praying. They're seeking God. They want to do right. They want to live right. They want to do the right thing. Yes, God can deliver you. God will forgive you. But you can slip back in that way every once in a while and flip flop and be messed up in your mind and your conscience is seared and you live in condemnation, and live in guilt, and live in worry, and live in fear. That's not the will of God. He wants you to live in the light by the power of God and begin to walk in victory and walk in power and authority. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.